Hi guys, this is Anna Lakin with Enlightened Transitions presented by Dillman Law Group. And today I have Kim and Greg Storin of Storin Financial. Hi Anna, how are you? Good, how are you? Hi Anna, good Hi. to be here. Thank you. We're excited to be on a podcast. Right? I hear so many podcasts, but I've never actually <laughs> recorded one, so this is all new for us. It's a little weird at first, I will admit. Um, but I wanted to do an icebreaker today, and for you guys, we're going to do your three favorite things at this time. And I'll share mine, too. Why don't we do, like, one each and then go around to where at three? Okay. Um, why don't you start, Kim? My three favorite things. Well, one of my favorite things... I'm not proud of <laughs> is that I love McDonald's Diet Coke. Oh and my I have goodness. tried so many times oh. to quit. They are Lisa Dillman. And, right yeah, here. <laughs> and both of our daughters are like, You're just drinking poison. But I just love McDonald's Diet Coke with a little bit of splash of Dr. Pepper in it. Oh, nice. So nice. I have to stop every day and get that. It's my <laughs> breakfast. I don't like coffee and I don't like I don't like coffee either. So I drink Diet Coke in the morning. What about you, Greg? I love a good cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, You're maybe lying. I, okay, maybe I don't. <laughs> maybe I just love the cigarette smoke. You just want a cigarette break every day. Uh, okay. yeah. You want the five Guilty. cigarette breaks a day. Right? Oh my gosh! Right, <laughs> that's so real. Okay, first I'd say um, working out. Yeah, yeah, definitely exercise, working out. Exercise, working out. I need that for the mind. Yeah. Do you work so out I'm, in like a mental, like a big gym or a small gym? Do you have a preference? Big gym. Big gym. Yeah, we do like FBD a s- would be the plug. Rob Hudson, he's the man. Yeah. <laughs> we do a 6 a.m. class that used oh. to be kind of like a boot camp. But it's more, oh. Now it's more like heavyweights. Wow. And then our new love right now for working out is the hot is hot yoga. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maria's over there excited because yeah. she likes hot, hot yoga. yoga. <laughs> hot Pilates. It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Uh, for myself... My one of my favorite things right now is I also am not a coffee drinker and I but I drink tea. And so I've been drinking this positive energy tea. Um, It's a sweet tangerine. I didn't think I'd like it. Um, but I am like one of those. I have a kettle behind my desk. Like so, hot or cold? Um, that one I drink hot. Okay. I don't know why, because you'd think with it being like sweet and kind of tropical citrusy, mm-hmm. it'd be better cold. But I don't like it cold. So, but I'll drink tea of either one, either okay. way. All right. What's your second one? Uh, my second favorite thing right now would be probably the Jersey Shore, because we <laughs> vacation there every year. <laughs> yeah. And we have vacationed there for over 20 years. We take our family there. Oh, that's and great. And we love it. Now, everybody thinks of the Jersey Shore of um, the situation and Right. I was MTV. thinking of the show. <laughs> yeah. Where there's like the boardwalk and it's three t-shirts for 10 great. bucks and fried yeah. Oreos. Where we go in the Jersey Shore, we go to Stone Harbor. And oh, it's just okay. beautiful. The beaches are nice. It has lifeguards. The downtown is super cute. We rent little coaster bikes. And oh, that's we just, great. It's a little island. We just ride all over the island and... We love it. So we go over here. We just got back two weeks ago. Oh, cool. I was going to ask. Greg? Number, number two? Yep, number two. Probably my wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's hot. Good answer. She just keeps lying. She's hot. <laughs> oh, that's good. If she was here, I'd tell her. <laughs> we won't tell her that you said anything. You can tell her. Um, so... Uh, is that really your second thing? That's it. I'm going, going with, with number it. two. Okay. I'm going to stay right. with that. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. What's my second favorite thing right now? you got to say your husband. Or you... Oh. It's just... oh. <laughs> oh. He's upstairs. Oh. 
<laughs> he was like, if you guys need me so entertainment. So you work every day with your husband? See, yeah, I would never work with my wife. Oh, That's, right. Yeah. It would be awful. We work every day, and we work out together. We shop together. It's terrible. Yeah. It's great, but, actually. Yeah, so people talk about that all the time. Like, I don't know how you work with him. And I'm like, well, A, it's not like I'm sitting in his office all the time. Yeah. Um, and so we get our space. But B, like, we make our lives work that way mm-hmm. we have three kids one on the way like well, we gotta coordinate things so it really works um so, so tell us about your pregnancy oh lord how's it going <laughs> it's a big baby <laughs> um but um no uh, no so my second favorite thing right now is sparkling grape juice probably uh, apparently all my favorite things right now are drinks but i can't have any alcohol or anything oh. actually i did accidentally have a little this might be incriminating um at a wedding shower though they didn't mark it and so there's like fruit in this what looked like tea-ish fruity stuff and so i had it it was great. It was really good. <laughs> but it ended up having alcohol. Yeah. So I had to hand it off to somebody else. So right now I've been doing sparkling grape juice. Well, right, hopefully Child Protective Services doesn't listen to this. Oh, right. Yeah. What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Number three. Number three. Um... My third favorite thing right now, and this is all because of this summer, is um, we just went to our first national park. We okay. went to Glacier National Park. Oh, cool. And so I bought the book where you can get the stamp. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds so cool. So now I want to go to all the national parks. Oh, But that's I think cool. that just means that I'm And then I want to touch a tree. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My, my feet in the water. <laughs> in, in New York, they have this, like, scavenger hunt thing. My sister lives in New York, and you, like, have to go find certain things. Oh, is it get based on the GPS? And, yeah. And... But geocaching, yes, that's what it geocaching, is. Geocaching, yeah, yeah. And uh, so my nephew and her boyfriend, they all go do that. But I think oh. it's cool. Well, you find little treasures, right? Yeah, they bury treasures right. and you find them. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Did you fall asleep? No, nobody ever asked it. <laughs> okay, what's your third favorite thing? Well, actually, I have two. Okay. Oh. Okay. One would be my two daughters. Okay. Mm. And then the smell of new tires. What? Oh. Really? <laughs> Did you just get new tires? No, but I would every day if I could smell them. Really? Mm. Really? Oh, seriously. <gasps> we go into Costco. Yeah. And he just stands in the tire section. <laughs> and I know you guys know Big O Tire Owl in uh, Brownsburg because uh-huh. we know them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's great. He goes in there just to Mike Trammell Service is number one. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He yeah. goes to talk to Mike and smell the tires. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, I don't know what my third one's going to be. Um, you can't top the smell of tires. The to- yeah, right. <laughs> Gasoline. No. Um, <laughs> no. What are you uh, watching on? Are you? What's your book? What book are you reading right now? Oh, that's right. So I started a book club, and there are, including myself, there's 20 women women interested in being in this book club. And so we have a Facebook group, and then we meet once a month because everybody's got a busy life. And um, right now, I selected an easy read for the first book because I was kind of worried about some of those people who maybe don't make reading a habit. And so I I don't really watch television. I don't like all the noise. And so um, I read. So I bought The Light We Lost, um, and it's a really good great book uh, written in a female voice and it's just about her journey and how she found true love and but they had to separate and kind of what 
went with it. Mm-hmm. She found someone else. She gets married and all these mm-hmm. kinds of things. But um, just kind of her journey and it's in her voice and it's very relatable. Everybody's commenting like, I can't sit the book down. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a good one. Now, are you doing all nonfiction, all fiction? No, gonna no. So we're going to take a vote, we decided, because there's so many people. I um, figure we will all, we can research books, mm-hmm. take a vote, dwindle it down to like three, take another vote and pick one out of that. So I don't care what genre it is. I just picked nonfiction or fiction, excuse me, for the first book because I figured it would be a little more compelling for those mm-hmm. that maybe don't read regularly. But I really want to read the book that's written by the woman who, um, there were the three women that were captured in Cleveland and held hostage for like eight years. Oh, yes. And one of them, she did not change her name and she wrote a book. The two other women, I believe, changed their names and are going about living their life differently now. And she doesn't really like associate with them on their interviews and things like that. So I want to kind of read about her because she's the most mysterious of them all. Yeah. So I'm hoping we can, that one will get voted in. (laughs) Um, Greg and I met when we worked for Bank One years and years and years ago. Yeah. And the very first meeting I had with them, do you want to tell them what you said your favorite book was? Oh, gosh. (laughs) People Magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You're supposed to say the most recent book you read and... Here's this gorgeous guy in the corner, and he goes, People Magazine. Oh, wow. And, he and just you were treated, like, I love him. I love him. We were in, I just fell in love. I still read it today. <laughs> That's where we I get were, all my education. We were talking about good interview questions, because um, we're looking for somebody in an administrative position, and uh, one of the questions was, like, what's, what's the most recent book you've read? Oh, yeah. And you can gauge, like, I don't know, how much a person likes to read or um, if they have to think about it for a really long time, they probably haven't read in a while. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had never been asked that question. That was a good one. Yeah, because hopefully it's always nice in an interview if you can get into a conversation with them rather than you ask a question and they answer it. You ask a question and they answer right. it. Right. If you can get into a little bit of a back and forth, yeah, then you you get them off guard just a little bit. Yeah, no. so I try to do that person. when I interview them. When I interview people, because we have to hire a lot of seasonal people for, right. for tax season, and some people you cannot get them into a conversation. Yeah. So I think about they're never going to have a conversation at the front counter with somebody. Right. If they're handing out a return, they're going to be like, here's your refund. Here's how much you owe. Yeah. Here's your cost. <laughs> and they're going to be like, <laughs> yeah. So. No, that's good. That's really good. So if, they're, if they get a little more engaged with me in an interview, then I think they'll be more engaged with the client. Do you guys read Ben right, Affleck's Going Broke? No, I didn't oh, read yeah. that. Yeah, I was in People last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. No, it's not. It's not <clears> funny. <throat> Poor Ben. So. Poor Jennifer. <laughs> you should read uh, Shoe Dog about Phil Knight. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a great book. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. The, the, the up and uh, about Nike. What was the last book you read about the seal? I do not remember the title, but it's phenomenal. Oh, it's the seal that shot. <laughs> shot Bin Laden. Yeah. Oh, so you like mm-hmm. like real life kind mm-hmm. of books. Yeah. Yeah, nonfiction, military stuff, and read yeah. read all O'Reilly's books. Oh, cool! Uh, all the military, JFK. Yeah. 
Yeah, killing Kennedy, killing Jesus, all those really good. Wow, they can get really gruesome. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just read like a preteen book because I got it for my daughter. wanted to make sure it was okay, and mm. I was weeping over this preteen book. I don't think I could Char- like. Charlotte's Web? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. That'll bring was, out the tears. It was The Hate You Give, and they made the movie about it, but I heard that you got to read the book before you decide you're going to pass it on to somebody oh. who's like a preteen age because it covers a lot of racial issues and things. And yeah, I was weeping over this book. My son comes in and is like, are you okay? (laughs) Well, Greg read Killing Christ, and it's all about Christ, and you expect it to be, I don't know, just kind of a nice religious book. And it is all about the horrible things that they put him through. Right. And you don't realize the... It was pretty tragic. Yeah, you got to have see, a pretty good that. stomach when you go through it. No, I couldn't read that. No. You expect it to be just a nice, nice mm-hmm. religious book, and it. No, let's make my palms sweaty yeah, right now. It was. It was. Can we throw out favorite restaurants. Oh, okay, sure restaurant? do it. MCL. Oh. What? Are you serious? Are you Are you being funny? I can't read. You <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. It's really delicious. Yeah. Oh. Get the tilapia and broccoli and macaroni mm-hmm. cheese. You get the um. What's it called? The, blue, <laughs> the blue plate. No, it's the Jack Mini special. The Jack Mini special. <laughs> it's, for, it's, for okay. the, it's for the old people. If his, if his favorite restaurant is MCL, what's yours, Kim? Oh, boy. You can't beat the quality. And the, pri- <laughs> and the price is there. I, I don't even know what my favorite would be. Oh, throw out, um, you know. Where do you always work? Take, or where I used to like work to for Max and Irma's. Okay. When I was in college, I worked for Max and Irma's forever. And I did hosting, and then I did all the books in the back, and I waited tables. Mm-hmm. And I love waiting tables. Yeah. And I love working in a restaurant. But once you're worked in a restaurant, it's it, the things you see. Yeah. Yeah. Like Max Nermas had this Sunday bar. Mm-hmm. And, I, oh. and to this day, I still cannot eat a maraschino cherry mm-hmm. because they came in these huge jars, mm-hmm. and it had like a layer a of pudding. scum on the top oh and you'd have to pull Ew. out all these maraschino <laughs> cherries <laughs> and so i just think about it was just a layer of scum in this big vat of cherries wow. and i still can't ew so where do you eat if you're gonna go out somewhere um we'll eat probably our favorite right now is rush in zinesville rush is great where are we can sit there. at a bar we always like to sit we we spend so much time together we mm-hmm. actually like to just sit kind of side by side mm-hmm. we don't we talk and not talk. <laughs> so we can watch TV. Each of you oh. looking in opposite directions. <laughs> no, Him good. at his phone, me at the TV. Right, yeah. right. It's we've, pretty special. We've been going to the Outback, actually. That's uh, where, like, we see a lot of people that we work with is at the Outback. You know, uh, they have good... We went there last night. Yeah, they have good food. It's just very... For a chain, it's yeah, pretty for, good. Yeah, exactly. Well, for an elder law attorney, you can pick up a lot of clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's, but the one in Avon's like remodeling right now. So, oh, yeah. Well, you that. should think about going to MCL. You might pick up more clients. Oh, okay. you could just hand out your card. Yeah, yeah. If they, I might have to holler a little, be the loudest person in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we go to MCL with uh, my husband's family pretty often. Well, let's. Uh, jump right in here um why don't you guys tell us now that we know a little bit about both of you why don't you kind of tell us about storing financial and what all you can offer and those kinds of things greg storing financial 50 years old is that true no i'm actually i'm 56 but thank you well the company i know i look younger the The company oh the company the company company is 56 years old because it was founded in 1963 yeah 
by so your... my dad started doing taxes out of his trunk of his car probably yeah in uh, at everybody's kitchen eight, table 1851 or something like that but anyway a long time ago so um but uh, we actually started um doing taxes in um 2000 in zionsville greg and i did and uh, we started our first year we did 125 tax returns wow. and um this year we'll do 5,000, mm-hmm. oh 5,100 tax returns. 5,400 returns 5, this year by the end of the year. Wow. Yeah. So we do about 5,000 returns in 10 weeks. That's incredible. So that was kind of the base of the company, but really the company's become more But our whole goal when we started it, our whole goal. just tax. Yeah, we don't want to be a tax service, and we never did want to be a tax service. So our whole goal is to be a financial services company. Right. So that's where people come for answers for, mm-hmm. but the tax and we'll as we'll hit on probably many times, but the tax side's integral to planning. Yeah. So it's the foundation for everything. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and that's how we got involved with um, Dillman Law because we're trying to do all these different pieces, like we do Medicare and we do four hundred one ks and we do financial planning and tax. Right. But we needed attorneys. Because so many of our clients are kind of at that elder law or they need a business attorney. And so we were trying to create a network of attorneys Mm -hmm. to refer people out to. And so Dillman really um, was just phenomenal working with clients and working with elder law and putting together um, different contracts for them. And and so we just really enjoyed our relationship with Dillman. So um, you touched on it, and I know I'm jumping around in the planned questions, but why don't you talk about, like, the benefit of having tax and finance under one umbrella Mm -hmm. for a client? From my perspective, the biggest benefit is for clients is from the financial planning side, we talk to clients about accumulation and preservation and distribution. So as a younger person, it's um, super easy to honestly to plan their goal is to save dollars and keep debt reduced right so if they have a 401k available to them for example you know in today's world they can do nineteen thousand dollars a year in the 401k they just need to fill that bucket as much with as much money as they can some can do 19 grand some can't how much can they afford but they need to get in the habit of affording or of filling that bucket so um that's that accumulation. So as much as they can, and, and there's other conversations with that, but um, as they get older and they get to be towards retirement, then we talk about distribution strategies. Well, a distribution strategy, after you've accumulated this IRA slash 401k, your goal is to hold on to those dollars. And what I mean by that basically is that a 401k slash IRA, we like to say is a partnership with the government. Mm-hmm. Because unless you've done post-tax money or Roth money, um, those are all pre-tax monies that are going to be taxable when they come out. Oh, and so okay. when they do come out, you're going to pay tax. And so you've got a partnership with the government. So if you're not, when you have other incomes in conjunction with your IRA distributions, 401k distributions, if you don't plan wisely when it comes to tax planning, a whole lot of that money is going to go to the government when it does come out. And we see people make those mistakes all the time by not calling us before they take distributions. And so when they enter that distribution phase, um, with my clients, I'm probably spending 60, 70% of our meetings talking in regard to that tax return and Just utilizing that strategy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because our goal is to keep them as efficient as we can. And I have their tax return in front of me because we, we've done the because return. Because do both, right. And, and so we're able to do the projections, run the numbers, and give them tax strategies. Um, and sometimes that strategy is because a client's income, 
They come out with no pension potentially in some cases. Uh, we talk about Social Security, when they're going to start Social Security. And in some cases, we're having them take more dollars out because they're in such a low bracket they can afford to. And they're like, Greg, we don't need the money. And I'm, but encouraging them to take it out and do a Roth conversion or take advantage of the low bracket, especially in today's world when these are the lowest brackets we've seen. Right. And that's what's different about what um, we do on the investment side is if you go to a lot of financial planners, it even says on there, cannot give tax advice. Right. But everything about financial planning is tax. Yeah. I mean, it's almost all about tax. And so if you can be tax efficient in how you're pulling, putting money in, Mm -hmm. trying to preserve your money and pulling money out, then that's where I think we just really you'll have a lot of money at the end that's right. how we dif- differentiate ourselves because we understand that more than most people do all clients they focus on the investment strategy the investment strategy and rates of return you know it's, how much money am I when make? clients come in for review I don't really focus much on the rate of return because quite honestly if you diversify you strategize correctly you do the right thing you'll make money you hang right. in there you do the right thing you'll make money um, you know for a younger person for example just put it in 100% growth spread the wealth and you're going to make money over the long haul mm-hmm. um, as you get older you need to modify your risk continue to diversify and there's strategies to hold the money um, and that's our preservation strategy um, but where you're going to blow it's in in the distribution phase of life uh, just taking chunks out a lot of times clients will say well should i take my 401k out and pay my home off you know 99% of the time, absolutely not, because they're going to have to take out so much more of that money to pay the Indiana, the state tax bill, and the federal tax bill to cover that that payoff amount. So, right. no. Something that I found interesting, so we came into your office uh, to do a training so that we could better understand, we being Dillman Law Group, came in to better understand what you guys do and how you help folks. And... What I really liked is the way you laid out, if you do this, then this mm-hmm. is the outcome. If this happens, then that. Um, and it was up on a screen. And it was just, it was something that I feel like some professionals just don't take the time to do. I know my mom, for example, works at the hospital and she's never even met the person that manages that Her money. That money. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't know if I retire tomorrow then what if I put less in here then what um and so I just really liked I guess that personal touch of things Mm -hmm. I think it's important and Greg's got an incredible strategy of how he explains it and how he separates out the money and he calls them little buckets of money and and his approach and everybody understands it and I tell people that come in like I just had a couple they were going to sell their business and they ended up with you know half million dollars from selling their business and I said, I think you need to sit down with our investment team. They already had an investment team, but they don't really know them very well. Yeah. And, I, and I'm more than comfortable having them say, go talk to them and then come talk to us because I know they'll be with us in the end. That leads me to one of the questions I did want to ask you guys. So when somebody's like shopping around for someone, if you had to arm them with three questions that maybe don't get asked but should or they should ask every person that they're interviewing, um, what would those three questions be? I think one of the biggest questions would be, who's the team around you? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people, if they're gonna sit down with Greg or they're gonna sit down with me, you don't want them to just say, oh, Kim's gonna answer all my questions, Kim's gonna service my account, Kim's gonna do all my projections. 
I don't right. have the time to do that. No. Greg doesn't have the time to take every phone call. And so you almost just as much want to know his team. Mm-hmm. And that's and we try to put together um, and introduce everybody to the team. Because if Greg's not available, you're going to probably get Lynn, his mm-hmm. client relations manager. Right. Well, you kind of want to know what Lynn's face is, and you want to know who Lynn is. You want to know who Danny is. You want to know who Brian is. And you want to know yeah. who the team is because you're going to be much more comfortable talking to them with yeah. your questions, and you're probably going to get them answered faster than if you just wait for Kim or you just wait for Greg or you just wait for Jason or, you know, just whoever's running your account. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the team is just as important. And does that team change a lot? Right. Yeah, I think that's important too. What about you, Greg? What would you recommend someone ask? couple things one would be what fees you charge how you charge so they need to know that because in the financial right. world advisors can charge commissions or they can charge fees um, and I tell my clients I explain to them how we charge mm-hmm. and sometimes clients will ask me how I charge and they'll apologize for that and I'll say you know before I can get to it I'll say never apologize for that you need to understand that And in some cases I'll ask them if they're coming from another advisor how he or she charged and they don't know um, but if they are shopping, I'll tell them, I'll say, make sure you ask that question because an advisor should be able to explain to them exactly how he or she gets paid. Right. And I'll say, if they can't explain that to you clearly, then you probably need to move on. Yeah. It should be very simple. Um, the other is is the advisor fiduciary. Okay. And Before you explain why they should ask that, can you explain to those that might be listening that don't know what a fiduciary role is? A fiduciary, similar to you know, in the law world at trust is somebody that's basically has the client's best interest. So a fiduciary and a trust is just that individual that's carrying out the instructions of a trust. And in, in the advisory world, as an advisor, fiduciary, I have to prove that I'm doing what's in the client's best interest. Okay. So to an examiner, um, I have to have documentation or just show and prove that I'm doing what's in the client's best interest, not my best interest, which sounds crazy because an advisor should always be doing that. But if you're not a fee-based advisor, which means you're a fiduciary by advisor, then you don't necessarily have to show proof or be able to put um, in writing that you're doing what's best in, or in the client's best interest. Right. Um, sounds kind of crazy, but you want to ask your advisor if they're a fiduciary or a fee-based advisor. Um, and that's really what clients want today. Yeah, no, that makes sense. The other part of that is we see a lot of scams. And I know... Um, People, we have a lot of identity theft. We have a lot of people get calls from the IRS. They get uh-huh. calls from the police. They get calls from different things. Yeah. On like the investment side, I've had a couple clients that have gotten into deals that, um, what's it called, like selling away. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going to go into an investment, there are some people that don't have like a a broker dealer or compliance behind them. So how do they do that? They it's called selling away from their broker dealer or it's they get you into a different like real estate deal where you're going to go into a real estate deal and you're going to get a 13% return on your money and then when the real estate deal finishes then you get all your money back. Well these are unregulated investments and okay. I've had a couple clients um, get into these great deals where they get these great dividend checks but then it all falls apart because it's a ponzi scheme Uh and because you're not going through a compliance you're not going through any type of regulation and we see it all on the tax side with identity theft and um you're getting a call from the irs saying we're going to come to your house and we're going to you've got to go get a money order you just got to be careful of 
investments that are too good to be true because right. you're going to get a 13% return that's too good to be true and then people that are harassing you on the phone you've got to just let it go well and I guess I didn't consider like physical investments like real estate to me is like a it's like it's a tangible physical type investment I mm-hmm. guess and so I didn't consider that at all where Lisa is um opposing counsel on the Clayton Morris case she does not represent Clayton Morris he did a real estate Ponzi scheme mm-hmm. and um is that the one out of California um was that one? it was here locally oh okay and then he uh has like since moved out of country and um so I didn't even consider that that would like fall under that same investment umbrella but that mm-hmm. makes sense that yeah. makes complete sense yeah um Go ahead. The other thing I would just say and I would ask an advisor would be, you know, you mentioned earlier what book are we reading, but, you know, look on the shelf at advisors by their desk and see what books are on there. And are the books, you know. um, How to make money? (laughs) Well, are the books, have they been opened? You know, do they have stickies coming out of them um, where you can tell the advisor references those books um, and they actually truly are read? Um, or are they just books that he's bought and put up there and not reference them? Mm-hmm. Um, behind my desk, you'll find Code Section 590, which is IRA tax code. You'll find uh, books about, um, uh, you know, our various tax code training classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll find all of Ed Slot's books, which uh, Ed Slot's a CPA that I train with for IRA training and um, have for 12 years. And, um, you know, you want to know and ask these guys, do they understand IRAs? Because if they don't understand IRAs, they can't help you on the distribution mode. On the tax side, I would say one of the most important questions you could ask somebody is, what's your security? What's your technology? Oh, okay. Um, which has become so much more important. I still have a lot of people that will just email me all their information. Oh, wow. Social securities, their W-2. Oh, my goodness. Where we have encrypted links that we can send you where you're going to upload your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, anymore, we have more people that just want it electronically in a portal they don't want everything we can um and from a tax perspective not everybody understands we can never send confidential information to a third party we have a lot of people say oh well you just email this over to my mortgage broker Mm. and you would never want that but they people seem to have no problem emailing their information and so i would ask what's you know what's their security what's your technology because tax offices are they're a financial it's they've got a lot of financial information on you right well and sometimes you have those like pop-up tax offices um and oh it's, yes it's the same as the too good to be true and yeah if it's, if it's a pop-up you're like where is your information going right Who's holding that Who information that? is it in the back of your car yeah you know when that when that building closes is it going in the back of a car for the next nine months right oh my gosh i'm traveling around with you but it's your security and your technology you know technology and your security your identity is very important on that same note, in that training that I was in with you guys, Kim, you mentioned your passion for tax and tax return. And, <laughs> and uh, you also talked about some tax changes, even changes to the form for people who maybe experience that change or wonder if they should be expecting that same change uh, next year. Can you just touch on that? Well, we just had a brand new um, updated tax code that came out in 2018 which was fantastic. I would say the majority of the people that came through our offices this year paid less tax. That's great. But not everybody realized it. Yeah. Um, the IRS came through last year and changed the withholding in your paycheck. 
So okay. if you earn a thousand dollars and they'll have federal withholding of a hundred bucks that comes out, well, since everybody was going to pay less tax, they said, well, people don't need as much withholding. So they changed all the withholding, but the withholding changed too much. So maybe I needed to drop down five dollars in my withholding, but people dropped down fifteen. Oh. So when everybody came through, I would say we had a a really hard tax season because a lot of people had their refunds um, reduced right. or they owed money and people were so upset. Yeah. And even though you said you're paying $2,400 less in tax than you did last year, but all they know is they their owed, return. They owed $1,000 and they've never had to write a check to the government before. Right. right. So the government changed that withholding. So I would really encourage people in 2019 to check your withholding because if you had any problems last year, now's the time to fix it. Now's the time to increase your withholding or lower your withholding. Or, And um, we have a lot of people that come through and they still want the big refunds. Yeah. And the other issue is if you have a refund that's over $10,000, which some people love those huge refunds, right, right. the government now, because of identity theft, if you have a refund over 10,000, that's kind of a, a baseline that they were using that they could hold your refund. Oh, so everyone's used to getting that refund in six or seven days. Yeah, twelve days. They could potentially hold your refund, and if you're a victim of identity theft and somebody has filed a return before you under your name, mm -hmm. they can actually hold your refund for the entire year. Oh my goodness! To get this fixed. So um, if you're banking on that money, right? You may not get it for a year. Wow. So how often would you say somebody should like review their withholding? Should that be something you go through each year or? Once a year. Yeah. And you, you know, you really, you would want to do it when you fill, when you do your tax return and you kind of see how you came out for the year before. Mm -hmm. But you'd always want to just once through the year, annualize your statement out, just kind of take a peek. Or if you're using, you know, if you're using us, then just send us over your pay stubs and we just quickly annualize it and do a projection for you. Oh, that makes sense. That's and good. we don't charge for that. Oh, cool. Because we want people to ask us. We right. found that if we if we charge for people, then they wouldn't call us. Yeah, and then, and then they come in in March, the, and they're yeah. crying, and I'm crying. We're all crying together, <laughs> and it's just really sad. And and for our clients, it, when we do the return, a lot of times we'll just tell them what percentage of withholding they need to break even, mm -hmm. so they can check their pay stubs. So if we tell them they need 11% federal withholding to break even. If they're at 11, then they know they'll come in and break even. If they're at 12 or 13, they'll get a refund. So they can gauge it for themselves. Oh, that makes sense. That's good. Um, so what about along that same vein? So Kim, I, for purposes of this interview, I kind of siloed her in the tax realm. And then I wanted to ask you, what were some common mistakes or are some common mistakes you see people making in the financial or investment world that you haven't already touched on? Um, one big one is they don't take the required minimum distribution from their IRA. Oh, okay. So at age 70 and a half, clients need to begin taking the required minimum distribution if they have an IRA. So that's that's pretty common. They need to, um, in the year they turn 70 and a half, start taking that distribution. And then there's different rules that are associated with that. Um, other mistakes, you know, clients don't manage their allocations when they retire or towards retirement. Um, they need to start young, start saving while they're young. Um, clients. How early is young? What age is young? You know, we first job. I had a I had a child that, um, yeah, he was four years old and got his picture taken um, and put it on billboard. <laughs> and so I think he made 800 bucks and his mom asked me what to do with it. And I said, put in a Roth IRA. 
That's great. So at like four years old, he still has that Roth IRA today. And it's, I don't know, it's got twelve or $13,000 in it. Wow. Just from that one contribution. That's great. Yeah. So it's got, uh, so he's done extremely well just from that one contribution. And um, um, that's a tax-free growth on that account. So starting young. So, it, it, you know, we talked to clients about that. And, and Roth IRAs are, Roth IRAs grow tax-free is the benefit with a Roth. So for young people. Um, the other you know, is for clients that, that probably don't seek financial advisors or financial advice and and manage their world. And along with that, they don't manage their 401ks or 403bs or 457s. They might be putting money in, but they don't pay attention to what that money's doing. Yeah. I may have clients come in and they show me their plans and they want to know about it. And it's all in a money market account. It's not invested in the markets. Oh, my goodness. So it's not working for them. Right. But they think it's growing because money's going in with every paycheck. Yeah, yeah because so it is growing in their minds. They see money right. going up. They see their investments going up, but they don't realize that it's not invested and it could be doing better for them. Yeah. Wow. And the other in Indiana is we offer um, College Choice, which is a 529 plan. So okay. five, 529 plans are, every state has a 529 plan, and, it, and these plans are tax-free plans for saving for college. Does it have to be like a four-year plan for that child? So if nope, I it can be any, my... it can be a technical school, it oh, can be cool. a two-year school, it can be any, wow. any college. It doesn't have to be an Indiana school either. They can go to any state, oh, any college. That's neat. And the idea with a 529 plan is that the money grows tax-free. Right. Okay. The limitations are that if the money's not used for college, then the growth of the plan can be penalized and taxed. Not the contribution, but just the growth. Okay. But the idea would be is the tax-free growth, and that's the benefit. Well, right. Indiana offers a phenomenal deal, and they actually give you a credit on your Indiana return for the contribution to the Indiana plan up to oh. $1,000. Wow. So it's not a deduction. Like most states, it's right. an actual credit. So if somebody puts $5,000 into this plan, they can actually get a $1,000 credit on their tax return. Oh, wow. So it's been around for quite a while, but people still don't take advantage of it. Right. Um, And And it's a phenomenal deal. Yeah, and one of the big tax loopholes that not everybody understands is that actually the money doesn't have to stay in there at this moment. They haven't shut that tax loophole down. So if you had somebody that was going to school and you're just paying for it out of pocket, you could put five grand into the 529. You can pull it out and use it for school and still get the $1,000 credit. Oh, okay. That's neat. Yeah, that didn't even cross you're kind of, Yeah, I didn't You're kind it. of legally laundering your money through that account. <laughs> that's still... Right. It's not... It's still allowed. It's, it, it's kind of a backdoor right. credit. Right. Um, Greg, so you mentioned, like, it's never too early. Is it ever too late to decide you're ready to try to plan it's not but some clients you know they wait too long and then what they try to do they make the mistake of putting a lot of aggression on their portfolios yeah so they might come in and be 55 60 years old and want to start talking about retirement and they've got too much debt and not enough assets and so what assets they do they want a lot of aggression on them right and so as an advisor i'm not comfortable with that plan because they they're not they may not understand risk and they want more risk because they think, oh, well, I need to make up for lost time. Yeah. Um, they've, they've hurt themselves. What about somebody? So um, this just kind of came to me. What if, like, your spouse or someone was diagnosed with early onset something, Alzheimer's or Parkinson's? And so now you're, you were planning, but you just weren't planning for this. 
is there a way you could adjust so that you can look ahead to their care costs and kind of offset that through the right type of planning? Do you think there's any way you could do that? Because like maybe you're still working early onsets young, so you're still working and still contributing, but could you like, I, I don't know, is that too late? Does that make sense? Cause that's unforeseeable. You're, you're, you're asking when somebody's being diagnosed yeah, or, or like, yeah, given a diagnosis of early onset something that, so now I can see we're going to be paying for care I wasn't planning for. I was planning for retirement and life after retirement. But now I have to plan for additional care costs inside of that. I'm you still a working be, person. You just may not be able to save money, but then that becomes that distribution phase, just, just more distribution sooner than we thought. Mm-hmm. And that's when you've really got to think about tax because you're as a spouse you're still working full-time you have a lot of medical costs yeah and so money's going out the door before you thought it was going to go out the door and so then you got to think if you have an ira there's ways you can get out of paying the penalties if you have medical costs Mm -hmm. or if somebody's disabled there are certain things that we can look at you just have to be a lot more creative with your money yeah i was probably not going to be able to save and so you've got to think about can you still do the 401k and save a little bit over here and live without it? Right. Live without that money that you put in the 401k and still pay the medical costs. And can you, can you find programs or different things out there to help you with the medical costs? Right. Or are you just going to start eating into your savings in your 401k? Can you do like a early distribution from your 401k? Can mm-hmm. you do a loan from your 401k? There are lots of things you can look at. It's just tough. We see a lot of people who hit that crisis wall, Mm -hmm. um, be it young or they just kept avoiding it. And sometimes they even hesitate to come in here and talk about things like spending too much Medicaid planning. Right. And I don't know what to do. I don't know how to like stop this. And so I could see why somebody would avoid wanting to talk to the financial person because they just don't want to see it on a piece of paper in front of them, like Mm -hmm. the reality of their situation. People feel that way just about their own life. Like we have right. a lot of people that don't even want to come into the tax appointment. Yeah. Like the spouse does it, the other spouse doesn't, the other spouse doesn't want anything to do with it. Right. I just really think it's so important for both spouses to come in and for both of them to understand why they're being taxed, how it's affecting them, what's the what are their investments doing, where are the, where's the money. You do, it's just very sad when you have a spouse that passes away and they've done all the money planning yeah. and all the finances mm-hmm. and the other spouse then makes some major mistakes because they don't know what the bills are and they don't know where their money is yeah, stored. Right. Or uh, real life application. My grandmother's 92 and um, she never had to handle anything really, like finance wise, especially. And my grandfather passed a while ago and she always makes this joke your grandfather always says, I'm going to live forever. Because I just don't have to worry about anything. He said I was mm-hmm. going to live forever. But I don't know how much of a compliment that really was. Because she just never had to worry about anything. Well, now she has dementia. And all of us are scrambling to try and figure out, like, where is everything mm-hmm. held? How is it held? Family business, how is that held? We know what the intentions were. But we don't know if any of it was executed. Um, we got her on aid and attendance benefits for being a World War II widow. So it's just really hard. I like to tell people it's not too late to at least have a conversation 
we can always talk about mm -hmm. where you're at. That doesn't mean I can always provide you the most easy or fun solution, but you can get somebody somewhere. One of the greatest things I think Greg and I did years ago, and this was Greg's idea, so I have to give him all the credit for it, is we created two binders, uh -huh. and we have a work binder and a home binder, and we copied all of our credit cards. We copied all of our oh, credit card neat. statements, Smart. all of our passwords, mm -hmm. all of our life insurance policies, like the front page of the life insurance policy, the front page of our homeowner's insurance, the front page of everything. everything. And we made this binder and like a register, like our check register that shows like all the checks out so they could see. Wow. So that if we ever died together, our girls can go grab the binders off the... Yeah. And they know every life insurance policy we have. They know where to look. They know all of our bank accounts because we've got between the two businesses and all, you know, we've got accounts all over the place. Yeah. And there's just no way that they're going to know that. Right. Well, as an advisor, we and we give clients that binder. Yeah. We today. create that binder. And then I tell them to put it on a shelf because some clients don't want their kids to know their business. Some yep. clients are okay with it. We offer family reviews. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell them to bring their kids in so they understand what it is we're doing for them. Mm -hmm. um, if they don't want to do that, then I'll tell them to put that binder up on a shelf and tell the kids where that binder is. Right. And I'll tell them to add any information to that that they want to add to it. But just to tell the kids if something happens to mom and dad, go to that binder. Yeah. You know, my cards in that binder, the attorney's cards in that binder, and any other relevant information's in that binder. That's great. A copy of your tax return. Because a lot of times the parents will pass away, and the kids are trying to get the tax return done. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I just wait for whatever form comes in the mail because I have no idea what mom yeah. and dad had. Yeah, or they're going through probate and trying to oh, yeah. just mull through everything. That's so hard. And as their advisor, we keep, you know, we keep a balance sheet with all the assets and liabilities. So I know where they have checking and savings accounts or CDs and where accounts are held. And, and I usually have a copy of the will or trust. And so yeah, I can great. guide the kids. Yeah. We know where life insurance is, long-term health care, so on and so forth. Yeah. And to go back on that, on your question in regard to um, like early dementia or whatever, the one thing I tell parents or you know, individuals is at age 50, they need to get serious about buying long-term health care. Yeah. So long-term health care today is just getting more and more expensive and a little harder to qualify for. But yep. I tell them at age 50 to get serious about it. And they look at me like I'm nuts um, because they think that, you know, they'll be 85, 90 years old before they ever have issues. And I oh. tell them at age 50 that it's still affordable and they could still qualify for it. Right. And the other side of that is when they look at the premiums they might pay between age 50 and when they have a need, that break even at today's cost might be 100 days in a facility. Yeah. And people need to understand, too, that good long-term health care policies cover in-home care and assisted living care yeah. and nursing home care. Yeah, we had somebody it's not just, talking about that. It's mm -hmm. not going to just take care of you in the nursing home. Yeah. And so I, the, every hole I find in the financial plan may have done everything right, but they don't have something to cover long-term health care. So you can help people kind of look through that long-term care plan? In long-term health care, I talk to clients about it. It's not spending I tell my clients when they retire I don't want them to be insurance poor right so it's not about buying the Cadillac I talk no. to them most of the time about buying the the Chevy Cruze or buying the the buying a lesser policy something that'll help and everybody's different based on their net worth and their income but it's about buying the policy that'll help offset costs not necessarily right. cover all the costs well and their desires like if for my grandmother True. going into a community is never an option like mm -hmm. she says put me in a corner before you take me anywhere and it's just because she comes from a town where everything's the home, everything's the nursing home. That's not life today. And nursing homes were horrible. Right. They were awful. And she worked in one. So she mm -hmm. saw, like, or volunteered in one. She volunteered in one. Yeah. And so 
Um, so she saw things and, um, so she wants to be home. Well, no one ever talked her through the idea that, yeah, you could get in home care or even like the in attendance benefit could be used at home. No one ever helped her consider that. And now we're, we're beyond that point. She's 92. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and though she's in good health, there's nothing we can do to ensure her to get that care she wants right. at home. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's super important that people just kind of talk about what are your intentions for consuming care? And if you know, like, you're never moving out of the house, or so you think. Yeah, so you think, yeah. Then buy the plan that fits your desires, and that relieves the burden from your kids to have to make that decision for you, because that's what adult children are saying is their greatest fear, is they're going to make a decision that their parents don't want Mm -hmm. or are upset with. And then the parents are over here saying their number one concern, aside from their brain health declining, is that they'll be a burden on their children. Well, and you'll run into kids that'll say, you know, I've had them sit in my office with their parents or with a single parent. And I say, oh, we'll take care of mom. Always. Yeah. And then so I'll look at the parent. I'll say, so you're okay with your son or daughter when they come over rather than just exchanging and conversation and having dinner or whatever. They'll come over and change your diaper and roll you over and and yeah, and do all that work as opposed to coming over and just enjoying each other. Right. They're like, no, I don't, I don't want him doing that. I don't want her doing that. I want to come over and just have fun with me. And, and that's, you know, it's the parents have a much different viewpoint than what the children do. Mm -hmm. Well, and it changes your dynamic, like from, I I've seen this with my mom and my grandmother. She's no longer just the daughter. She's the caregiver. And yeah, sometimes she has to be the parent. And that's weird because mm-hmm. that's still her mom. Changes. Well, I do want to talk a little bit about your guys' locations. I know you guys have some exciting news as it relates to Zionsville. So why don't you guys share with us kind of about where people can find you, but also what you got going on in Zionsville. We're building a new building. So, yep, so very fortunate. <laughs> we're out of space. So that's a we've, good feeling. we've got a location in Brownsburg that we're keeping. So no changes to Brownsburg. That's an awesome location with awesome clients. And, uh, but we're out of space in Zionsville, so we've been fortunate enough to um, um, partner up with Zionsville Eye Care and Dr. Haynes and Dr. Garn and uh, build a new 26,000-square-foot building mm-hmm. in Zionsville, so um, located on uh, 1120 West Oak Street in front of Town Hall in Zionsville. Across McDonald's. Across yep. McDonald's. Oh, yeah, getting your diet coke. Yep. My office looks at McDonald's, so yeah. I don't know how I'm going to – it's going to feed my addiction. <laughs> it's going to call your name. So, yeah, so awesome location and plenty of parking for clients, but uh, we're really happy about it because we're going to have a lot more room. And, and um, you know, we talk about electronics and computers and so forth, and we'll have a lot of state-of-the-art state opportunities for clients. Yeah. and. And, uh, and then from a tenant perspective, so Delman Law Care will also be yeah, um, yeah. We're gonna be in the building with us. So, yeah, on the first floor. So when, when we expanded, I've always wanted to have an elder law attorney in the firm. And so this is the next best thing. So um, Miranda and Lisa from uh, Delman will be. And Attorney Rachel Road now as well. Oh, yeah. 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 And then news with uh, Carol. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 So, and our station with Carol Applegate. Yeah. Greg's always wanted to be on meeting and just be able to walk them over so, to the Right now, it's going to be possible. Say, yeah, so now I can. Let's I make can, you an appointment right now. Yeah, because you know we, everybody. I, I, you know, we talk to clients all the time about elder law attorneys and the benefits and, and, and barring that, the wills and trusts that need to be done. So now it's great. I've got somebody basically in the building that I can refer people right over to and take care of them. So we're really excited about that. Um, 
I did a lot of demographic research when it came to Zionsville when we were making the decision of are we going to go into the building and what type of space are we going to occupy? What made you guys decide, yes, we're expanding into Zionsville, except that that's your stomping grounds? Yeah. (laughs) We started, you know, I guess 20 years ago, there was only a couple CPAs in town. Yeah. Right? But, you know, and I think our niche is those clients we manage about 140 million dollars right now and and we find that our niche has always been that middle income um you know we have higher income individuals we have maybe some lower income individuals but it's always that middle income mom and dad two or three children um and zinesville really fit that bill for us yeah Mm -hmm. and we really felt like that zinesville really needs one an accounting firm and two financial planners that provide that service level that we provide and I think that that level of guidance Mm -hmm. and coaching that we provide because there's CPA firms that are out there but the coaching's not there right and for us when we started this 20 years ago it was all about coaching it still is all about coaching and creating that one-stop financial services firm Mm -hmm. where people are coming in they're getting getting their tax returns done they're doing their financial planning because the other side of that is when they get their tax return completed we want to hand out advice. Are you, are you funding a college choice for your kids or grandkids? Are you getting your will completed? Are you funding your 401k? Those are things a tax advisor can provide. Right. Um, and tax advisors know so much because they do the return and they don't hear those things today. They don't get the coaching. Clients right. don't. And we want to coach our clients, whether it's on the financial service side or the tax side. And I think that Zionsville, we always felt like that niche was there and taking that extra set, step and, and explaining things to people and making sure they understand things. Kim Kim referenced that earlier. And I think that's what's helped the referrals come in and helped uh-huh. us grow. And yeah. I think that the personalities that, you know, we, we provide for clients um, in the atmosphere in the office, um, people really value that and they appreciate it. They feel like they can ask the questions. They feel like they are comfortable there. And, and and for us, that's key. I think we've probably tried to create an environment that we would want to be involved that's in. That's great. Yeah. And in this day and age, I know a lot of people talk about, well, tax returns are going to like a turbo tax or people mm-hmm. are doing their own return. Right. And so we've been able to grow from 125 tax returns to 5,000 for right. a reason. Right. Because we have really specialized in those tax returns that just have just something like yeah you have a rental property or you have a little small business or you're an independent contractor or or an independent contractor and we are so good at doing these returns quickly efficiently accurately and helping people and reasonably priced and people have really valued they've got they it's too complicated for them to do it themselves on Mm -hmm. TurboTax because of that stock option or that weird you've sold a home or you've done a life estate or something and there's just that one thing and they realize they can spend about an hour with us or they can spend four of their Sundays during tax season yeah. trying to figure it out themselves. Right, exactly. And they realize you can just come see us. Now, the days of, we used to be almost all appointment where everybody came in and you spent your hour and you spent a couple hours with your with your um, uh, tax professional. 
people nowadays don't want to do that, even with like medical. Right. So now we do video conferencing. That's we neat. do uh, people upload their information. We do a lot of things by phone. Yeah. The days of people wanting to spend three hours to leave work and go get their tax turn done. Yeah, no, that's are, gone. Those yeah. are fading away, but yep. they still want that help. They still want that reasonably priced good help yep. for the little thing that they've got. And I think you touched on it. Um, people do want that <laughs> education. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at Zionsville's demographic, I know for me, I looked at the amount, the number of people who are educated in the Zionsville space, whether they're utilizing their degree or not, um, more mm-hmm. people in Zionsville are um, educated than are not. Mm-hmm. And um then that means that they value it. Mm-hmm. And so then they're going to go with a firm that will educate them because yeah. they, they're invested in learning. And I think that's going to be Zinesville's key. And Zionsville's a really good market for us because most of the people have jobs. Yeah. But they may have a side business or they have yep. that rental property yep. or, you know, just with that level of education or the, or the people that they're, they have very complicated investments. Yep. And they just need that little help. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done really well. Yeah. So why don't we wrap it up here? Everybody that's listening, if you have questions or comments, you're welcome to leave them below. But why don't you tell people how they can reach you? Well, we have our website is storeandfinancial.com. We have lots of resources on our website. You can contact us through our website. Also, you can call us at 317-852-7000, and that reaches our Brownsburg and our Zionsville locations. Will you say it one more time? 317 Eight five two seven thousand. And your website, what is the website? Storen Financial. S T O R E N Financial dot com. And you guys are on Facebook too, right? Yep. We have Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the cool all the different places that you <laughs> want to reach things. us. You can email if you just have a quick question. We don't charge for questions. I'm Kim at storeandfinancial.com. That's great. Well, for all of you listening, I appreciate your time. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other platforms you might find yourself listening to podcasts on. And um, if you have any ideas or topics that you want to hear in the future, if you want to have Kim and Greg on again and ask them some different questions, feel free to leave those below. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thank you, Anna. Thank you.